Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. We're going to be in Mark 9. I said that already. Easy, easy introductory thought. I think that we can all agree life is better with some high points. Life is better with some high points, some good moments. That's why some of us will stay in a Starbucks line for a long, long time to get our specialty coffee drink. Why? Because that little moment there that makes your heart feel so good, right, helps carry you through the rest of the day. High points are wonderful. You, oh, this has been a few months ago, maybe six months ago, um, I was on another diet. I'm always kind of on, on a try to watch what I eat, diet exercise, try not to. Anybody struggle with just ballooning up to larger than what we really would like to be? So anyway, I'd been trying pretty hard to exercise and stuff. I came in to church when we were meeting in the building, and somebody was at, it was in the atrium at Jackson Road. Um, and somebody came up to me right away and said, hey, Mark, are you losing weight? <laughs> That's a high, it was a high point for me. I don't know if I'd actually lost much. If I remember right, I had lost a little bit. And I remember thinking, yes, it's making a difference. Because they said that I was ready to, to continue on the journey and keep trying. High points are huge. Use a sports analogy. Uh, I think it was two years ago I went golfing with a friend of mine, and I hit a golf shot. I could stop right there. Like a serious golf, like I drove the ball far and straight. And, and in that moment, it was like one of those highlights, because it doesn't always go where I want it to go. And there was just a moment where, gosh, it felt so good, and it, and it helped carry me through the next hole when I probably didn't do quite as well. Life is better with some high points. Do you agree? Are you with me? It's better financially, physically, spiritually. Spiritually, that's where we're going to head today. Spiritual life, and I think I would say it is a necessity if we're going to have a vibrant spiritual life to every once in a while have some high points. Because the high points can carry us through when we have to endure some of the low points. I, this week, <laughs> was introduced with a new term. I just, I just thought it was a great term. The term is the trough of disillusionment. Here's a graph. Now, I, this comes from the Gartner hype cycle, as best I could tell. The Gartner hype cycle cycle which kind of uh, 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 graphs when when we introduce, introduce technology there is excitement because they think it, that it's going to fix so many things and so the expectations are high and the emotions are high and then this Gartner hype cycle, graphs when eventually when the technology takes hold and we realize it's not going to fix everything 
and then it moves down into, like real life brings in the, there it is at the bottom of the curve, the trough, the trough of disillusionment. Life includes troughs of disillusionment, don't they? And what gets us through those oftentimes is the memory or the experiences of the high points. It is absolutely, absolutely true in our spiritual life. Let me introduce a new a term here of spiritual mountaintop experiences. Have you ever had a mountaintop experience spiritually? For some of us, we'll think of the day we got saved. That salvation moment. It was a mountaintop experience. I've had others. Uh, five years ago or so, I had a series of a couple dreams that uh, ended up, at, in both dreams, I woke up weeping for the sake of people who don't yet know Jesus Christ. Literally weeping in, and uh, in, <laughs> I remember. See, I remember. How do you know you remember? mountaintop experiences. I was curled up in a little ball like in a fetal position just sobbing over lost people. Now you might think, well that doesn't sound like a high point. It was a spiritual high point because I think I got a glimpse of what God feels for other people and it motivated me to keep trying to share the good news of Jesus with people. It was a spiritual high point. Have you had one? Now, it could be that some of us have never had one. Most of us probably can point to a few things. But where we're going to head today is the value of a spiritual high point, the value of mountaintop experiences. And by the way, just to securely lodge this in Scripture, it's all through the Bible. People had mountaintop experiences. Moses had a mountaintop experience when he saw the burning bush and a voice spoke to him about his destiny. I'll bet he lived on that for quite a while. And I'll, I'll bet he referred to that throughout the time when he was going to lead people out of Egypt. He could go back to that burning bush experience. In 1 Samuel 16, you might want to explore a, a young man named David. And God sent a prophet to his house. So I don't know, David was maybe 15, 16 years old, maybe not even that old. And God sent a prophet to his house. And the prophet communicated that God was going to choose David over all of his older brothers to be king. I think that would have been a mountaintop experience for a 14-year-old. God's choosing me. If you want another one to explore, by the way, there are hundreds of mountaintop experiences in the Bible. You could write down John 20, and it's the story of a guy named Thomas. Have you ever heard of a doubting Thomas? This is where that got started, doubting Thomas. Doubting, this Thomas guy was doubting that Jesus actually had risen from the grave. And arguably, Jesus shows up physically just to show Thomas he was alive. He actually, if you read it, it's in John 20, 27. He says this, he says this to Thomas, just for Thomas. He says to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. He says, stop doubting and believe. The Lord of the universe came right to Thomas and said, you want to put your hand in this hole in my side? You want to dig around? 
I am here and I am alive. Just believe. I wonder if Jesus did nothing else for Thomas his entire life, whether that moment would have sustained him for the rest of his life. Man, because I put my hand, my finger in his hands. Is you with me? Mountaintop experiences. Hold that thought. We're in this series called Discovering Joy. And one of the things that will affect our joy level is every once in a while we need some mountaintop experiences. And today we're going to explore one in hopes of setting the stage, stage for you and I to have more mountaintop experiences. In our study, we're looking at a literal mountaintop experience where, P, where Jesus invites three disciples to go up on a mountain and they are going to experience something I would bet they will never, ever forget. So in Mark 9... Going to begin in verse 2. As we're reading this, please, even if you know the story, I'm going to read it slowly in hopes that we will at least have use our imagination to picture how amazing these moments would have been. So it says, verse 2, after six days, Jesus took Peter... James and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were alone. There he, that's Jesus, was transfigured before them. What does that mean? It says his clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. I picked, you know, this glowing Jesus. And there appeared before them Elijah. Elijah has been dead for hundreds of years. All right? He had already passed into eternal life. So Elijah, this Old Testament prophet, and Moses appear with Jesus. Can you, can you picture this? Moses, and they're talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it's good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say. They were so frightened. Yeah. Then, And that's not all. You know what? That would have been a spiritual mountaintop experience just if just that had happened. But there's more. It says, then a cloud appeared and covered them. And a voice came from the cloud. This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. The title of the talk this weekend is Spiritual High Points. And the subtitle is this, let's have more. And so what I want to do is give you some practical things that I see here from this mountaintop experience that will help set the stage for us to have more of such experiences. Now, I have to say this. Some of mountaintop experiences have to do, this, have to do with the sovereignty of God. But, there are things that you and I can do that can either lean in or open the door to more of that or not. I am convinced that is absolutely true. 
There are things that, that Peter, James, and John did here that they did well that set the stage for this experience, okay? So that's what I want to talk about before I give you these four. Ready? There are four C's, A-B-C, four C's to experiencing more mountaintop experiences. So I'm going to give you four. So we're going to be here for like an hour and a half. No, we won't. Quick four. Let me pray. God, help us. Mostly, God, I pray that you would set the stage in us that we would be people that have more amazing experiences with you. I pray especially for those of us who, like me, regularly we say, God, I need, I need, I need an experience with you. I need you to take this from my head down to my heart. For those especially, God, come, Holy Spirit, give us some practical ways that we can seek you and find you. In Jesus' name, amen. Three, four, three or four, four, four C's to a mountaintop experience. The first one is the call. And you can write these. I would encourage you to write these down. The call. This comes from verse two, I think. Yeah, two. This is a pretty simple concept. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him. Write down the call. If you want to write something else next to it, this is basically the idea of an invitation. Write down invitation. I'm assuming that Jesus didn't force them to go with him. I think that's a safe assumption. The other thing I know to be true is that this is not the first time that these disciples had been invited to go somewhere and to do something with Jesus. This invitation thing, this call thing, this is just what Jesus did. There are countless examples of this in the scripture. One in Mark chapter 1 verse 16, Jesus is walking beside the Sea of Galilee. He sees Simon and his brother Andrew. And then in verse 17, he says, come, follow me. Every disciple of Jesus had these kinds of moments where he would say, come here. Now, I want to dwell on something. These invitations could be could fall in either one of two categories. Some of them ended up being very routine invitations. Just they're, they're just routine calls. It's like, we're going to walk, come with me, we're going to walk to the next town. And you know what happened during the next hours of that invitation? They walked to the next town. It's just a routine. They walked or they got up in the morning and they went to pray. And it wasn't necessarily a mountaintop experience. It was just an invitation to pray or to eat together. Just routine. But there were others. Those routine calls would have moved into an extraordinary experience. Like in this one. With the mountaintop. And I want to make a really... I'm going to say it's a super important point from this. It'll come up on the screen. We never know which call will end up on a mountaintop. You never know which call will end up on a mountaintop. Jesus did not tell the disciples, Hey, Peter, James, and John, come with me. I'm going to take you on a mountaintop. 
and some dead guys are going to show up and God's going to speak. That's not what it says. It just is a simple, come with me, we're going to do this, and then it turned into something amazing. Years, some years back, I still do this at times, but some years back I developed, uh, because I, I, I knew God had asked me to do it, a uh, what d diligent routine of praying around my home uh, was in our, our earlier house in a little neighborhood. I would pray Psalm 91 around my house every, so you think he, I'm exaggerating, every single night that I was home, I prayed this around. If I was traveling, of course, I didn't pray it, but I, so for hundreds, actually uh, hundreds of days in a row, actually, as my best guess is somewhere between seven and ten years, every single night, I would pray and quote Psalm 91. Side note, Psalm 91, you might want to explore it as an as a, a, uh, outline for protective prayer. I had probably been praying this routine prayer for three, four, five years. And I could tell you, if we went to that neighborhood now, I could show you behind that little brick ranch house, in the backyard, the right side of the corner, on the property line between my line and, and the neighbor's property behind, I had a mountaintop experience with God. It was in the midst of me confessing that I was tired and questioning whether ministry was actually going to work. I'm like, God, am I any good at this or not? Anybody ever have just... You know what? I was in the trough of disillusionment. <laughs> and I was like, God, why am I doing this? Is this going to work? And God took me into a probably five-minute moment with him where he clarified why I should keep on going. And you know what? I can't bring that experience to you. I lived on that experience for the next few years. And now, right now, as I... As I remember that, it still brings motivation to my heart to keep leaning in. But it happened in the midst of, I had been praying a routine prayer for years. You never know. When being faithful in those little things, responding to those little nudges is going to open the door to a mountaintop experience. So I have a simple, practical challenge to you. Vineyard family. Ready? Keep saying yes to God's everyday invitations. And I know a lot of you are doing this. Keep saying yes to your Bible time. Have any of you ever had a really average Bible time? I don't have mountaintop experiences every day. But every once in a while, I will have one. So refreshing to my soul. Keep saying yes to everyday invitations. You'll end up on a mountaintop every so often. So the first C is the call. The second C is the climb. The call. The climb. If you're with somebody there in your apartment or whatever, just turn to them and say, climb. It's the climb. Verse 2 I want to highlight one word from the text. It says that Jesus led them up a high 
mountain. It says he led him up a high mountain. Got a picture here of some people climbing a high mountain. Here's why we're putting the picture up. Because I don't think it will take much for you and I to realize if you're going to climb a high mountain, there's going to be some hard parts. There's going to be some times where your legs are going to feel pain. There's going to be resistance. May you, you may end up with cutting your shin on, on a rock, and you're going to have to decide, will I keep climbing or will I quit because the climb got hard? And, of course, you probably know where we're going. If you don't endure the hard part of the climb, if Peter, James, and John don't, see, don't navigate the, the hard part, the friction of the climb, they never get to hear the voice of God come out of a cloud or get to testify that they saw Moses and Elijah manifest and appear before them. I just want to be clear on this. Every, almost every, maybe. <laughs> Oh, I can say it this way. If you want to make sure you're going to miss some possible, possible mountaintop experiences, just quit when it gets hard. That's it. I guarantee you, you will miss mountaintop experiences. Just quit when it gets hard. That's it. Just let pain be your guide, and whenever spiritually or physically it starts to get a little hard, just stop there. I guarantee you'll miss mountaintop experiences. I'm going to show you a strange little section of... Uh, some verses in Acts chapter 16. There's a remarkable young man named Timothy, and he's going to get invited by Paul, the Apostle Paul. If you don't know about Paul, huge, major Christian player. He wrote most of the New Testament. He led thousands of people to Christ. Just healed the sick. He, he was so much like Jesus People would get physically healed. He could preach to crowds, all kinds of amazing things. And it says in Acts chapter 16 that Paul, that's the apostle, amazing Christian dude, says he came to Derby, and then to Lystra, which are towns, these two towns, where a disciple named Timothy lived. At this point, my best understanding is Timothy's 18, maybe 20. Not an, not an old gentleman. And it says in verse 3, Paul wanted to take him along on the journey. By the way, you could go back to that's a call. But Paul says to Timothy, I want to take you on a journey. Now, Timothy wouldn't have known at the time, but that invitation was an open door to travel with Paul for the next years. It could have been up to 18 years, Timothy got to be with Paul and see everything that God did through Paul. The healings, the, the, the miraculous moments, the, the amazing teaching and preaching where dozens and hundreds and thousands of people would have come into the kingdom of God. Can I just tell you, he could have had, Timothy was going to get dozens, hundreds of mountaintop experiences by going with Paul. Here's something that is easy to miss, though. In verse, the end of verse 3, it says, So Paul circumcised Timothy, 
because of the before they left on the journey Paul said well before we go we're gonna we got a thing we're gonna do can we pause here can we just get real welcome to vineyard let's just get real <laughs> if I'm 20 years old and Paul says hey I want to take you on a trip I'm like cool I'm in First, you got to get circumcised. Time, whoop, hey, whoa, what are we, ha, stop. And, and I won't dwell here too long because it's a little weird to talk about, isn't it? But the reality is if, if Timothy doesn't go through that pain, he never gets to the eight years of spiritual progress that he was being invited to. God bless Timothy. And there's something huge and practical for us, you guys. Don't let resistance or pain or challenge stop you from saying yes to the call. If there are some of us, this is probably true. We have missed countless mountaintop experiences because we overemphasize the value of staying comfortable and not leaning in when it gets painful. And can, just to be clear, pain is part of following Jesus. There are tests and trials and there's the pressure of the world and the devil will push you back and you have to decide, am I going to push through the pain in order to get to whatever God has for me? But this is a regular experience for people who follow Jesus. Pushing through the pain. I think even most of us, maybe our first ever mountaintop experience where, where we got saved, we received salvation, there was some friction just in you kneeling before God and saying, I'm Jesus Christ, I need you as my Savior. If you did it in a public place, maybe you were at the Vineyard Church and we did an altar call, boy, it's hard sometimes for people to just travel six rows when a pastor says, come up here and receive Jesus, there's all kinds of pressure to keep them there. They're like afraid. They're, they're, it's painful because they think, well, what if someone sees me and thinks I'm, uh, right? From day one, there are challenges to getting to where God wants us to be. I still experience spiritual pain following Jesus. Uh, when, I, when I write out our giving check to the church, or there, it doesn't hurt like it used to. I, give me a side note. You know what? I think the longer we walk with God and we realize pain is part of the process, we've been through the challenges enough times to know there are good things on the other side, so it makes it easier. It's like if you've ever had a toothache and you go in and, you, and the doctor says, yeah, I can, I can make that better. I'm like, First, got to do this drill thing. And if you've been through it enough, you go, man, it's totally worth it because afterwards my tooth's not going not gonna to hurt. I write out a tithe check, and sometimes it hurts. I'm like, ah. Oh. Yeah, there's so many things I could do to illustrate that. The point for this, the climb is, ready, push through the pain. This is my challenge to you. Push through the pain. I know some of you are pushing. Keep pushing. There's something on the other side that's good. We have to believe that. So there's the call, the climb. Number three is the encounter. I know it doesn't start with C. I'm kind of fudging a little bit. 
be encounter. If you say encounter and kind of like just mumble the first end part, then it's encounter. So there's the call, the climb, the encounter. See how that works? No? Okay. Uh, we won't spend a lot of time on this because counters are encounter, <laughs> encounters. The encounters are very unique. In this case, it was two men from the past who had lived show up from eternity back on the mountain. God shows up on a cloud, speaks. We've never had those things happen. But this is kind of the cool thing about God. He will bring very unique experiences to us in those encounters, all right? So there's the call, the climb, the encounter. One more, want to hit, super important, it's the confusion. I'm so glad that the Bible is real, and it includes the parts where the disciples didn't quite know what was going on. So when Peter says, hey, let's put up three shelters. Let's, hey, I've got an idea. Let's put up three huts. You know, one for you and Moses and, and one for Elijah, because I guess we're just going to camp out up here. I love that the Bible says he did not know what to say. In Luke, it adds, he did not know, he didn't even know what he was saying. So it implies he just was confused. Didn't know quite what to say. And I would tell you that if we're going to get everything we can from a mountaintop experience, can I just, oh, if I could get this in us. We will never know all the nuances of why and how this works. Sometimes just enjoy the mountaintop experience, even if you cannot explain the mountaintop experience. Some people will miss the benefit of an encounter with God because they have to have it explained to them. Are you getting this? So, I, I so assume that Peter, James, and John did not waste much energy on the way down from the mountain trying to figure out how God manifested a cloud. Or was Moses in a physical body that you could touch? Was this a spiritual body and did not stop the benefit of this mountaintop experience to get bogged down in some detail of explanation. And by the way, even if God would try to explain many of the things that he does for our benefit, can I just tell you, you're not smart enough to, to even be engaged in the conversation. The resurrection from the dead, how did that work? That's not a science problem. That is, that, but it is surely an experience that we can benefit from. Are you getting this? By the way, in some ways, I'm going to do, a, do another little idea here. I didn't do it every service. But why is it that we tend to, in, in just normal life, we don't over-evaluate the wonderful experiences we have in the physical life or in our relational life. If you have a phenomenal friendship date, like you go on a date, and it's an amazing date. You won't, you won't miss the amazement of the date trying to, I hope you won't do this, trying to decipher 
every detail of how it came into being. You just enjoy the date. If you eat a burger that's amazing, enjoy the burger and don't analyze why your taste buds love it so much. Can I give you this is goofy example, but it, it might work. This week, my daughter and I, uh, we spent some time uh, and I showed her some old Saturday Night Live skits. Some of you know the, the television show Saturday Night Live. And every once in a while, I'll come across one that just makes me laugh. This, I, we found this. This was, it's a spoof of an old show called The Lawrence Welk Show. And Kristen Wig is that her name? I think that's her name. She does this bizarre, creates this character. Who thinks of this stuff? And she's got these little creepy hands, and she acts really weird. And I can't even describe it. I don't have to describe it. But can I tell you, I watched this, and it, I laughed. Oh, gosh. I started to laugh so hard. I laughed as hard as I have laughed in three, four, five years. I just, I didn't. Now here's, my, I was laughing so hard, my daughter kind of quit laughing just to make sure I wasn't going to have a heart attack kind of a thing. She's like, are you okay? I just was balled up laughing so hard. Now here's the deal. Why did I laugh? I'm not sure. It, whether it was the creepy hands, or the, I, it was just, I don't know why. But just because I don't know why it made me feel that way. It doesn't mean I didn't enjoy the feeling of happiness. Does that make sense? So we would do that in so many areas of life. So, so the simple point. Don't get so critical in your spiritual life that you can't enjoy a mountaintop experience. That's the takeaway. Don't get so critical in your spiritual life. Some of you... Right now, I have this thought coming to mind. Some of you are not coming to Jesus Christ as a personal Savior because you are so emphasized, you so focused on, I want to understand all of this before I will embrace God who loves me and sent Jesus Christ. Good luck with that. Good luck. We cannot intellectualize ourselves into many of these the encounters that God wants us to have. Let me give you an important verse from 1 Corinthians 2. Paul said, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom but on God's power. We need God's power as a place for our faith to rest on that. So the four C's, ready God, the call, the, call, the climb, the encounter, and the confusion. Right now we're going to move into a time of prayer. And I am going to be asking, and I think probably some of you are going to be asking for God to take you to the mountaintop, either right now, today. Some of you may experience a mountaintop moment as we pray. Maybe you've already been experiencing it. Others, we're going to put ourselves in a posture 
And I did this, I just did this once this week. I just confessed to God, God, I need a mountaintop. And you know, even when I confessed that, which would have been Friday afternoon, I got at least a little hilltop right then, just when I said, God, I need a mountaintop. So there's a chorus that we sang earlier in our service that talks about how much we need God. It says, Father, we're on our knees with, with every heartbeat. We bring you this offering. And then it says, Lord, come and fill this place. And we're going to be applying that to our own lives. Please don't check out yet. Will you join me in inviting God into, into your place? Got it? And for those of you that are intercessors and, and enjoy praying for others, would you just not tune out? Will you pray for some of the people that are connecting that need an encounter with God? So let's sing this song and go into just a minute or two of prayer. into that apartment, into that, into that place, into that house, into that bedroom, into the living room, wherever they happen to be. And God, we are desperate for you. We don't even have to know why it works. We don't have to know how it works. We are just desperate for you to work among us. Hear our prayer. Father, we're on our knees. Father, we're on our knees with every heartbeat we bring you this offering. Lord, come and fill this place. Father, we're crying out. Spirit, we need you now. Glorious love surrounds us. Lord, come and fill this place. Some of you right now might feel some resistance because you're thinking you're desperate enough for a mountaintop and God is saying, well, let's get on your get on your knees or lift your hands or close your eyes. And there's resistance because like your friends in the room, you got a choice to make. And if you need to just look at them and say, hey, I need God. And then get on your knees and pray this prayer with us. Sing this song with us. Say this song with us. One more time. Father, we're on our knees. Father, we're on our knees. With every heartbeat we bring you this offering. Lord, come and fill this place. Father, we're crying out. Spirit, we need you now. Glorious love surrounds us. 
Lord, come and fill this place. God, on behalf of everybody that's connecting right now, we cry out for more of you. Not wise and persuasive words, but demonstrations of the Spirit's power so that our faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. I pray that for everybody connected to the Vineyard Church, I pray that, that you would extend that into our neighborhoods, and we pray on behalf of our cities. We, as a group of, I don't know how many people are connecting right now, 500, 1,000? We cry out to you, Father, bring your spirit to our towns, our neighborhoods, our cities, our families, I pray. And we will give you credit for it all, and it will bring more joy and more capacity for us to endure and keep on this walk of faith. In Jesus' name, I beg you, God, to show up. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.